It's Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. If you'd turn there, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1 and stand as you turn. Thank you, Brother Seth, for that message and the song. And uh, thankful for the Lord. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. Daniel is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. And uh, it's an incredibly convicting passage of Scripture. I think it's a Scripture... All of the Bible ought to be studied, but if you want to know how to live right in an ungodly world, this one ought to be studied. And uh, you'll find out that Daniel, Daniel lived for the Lord in the middle of a pagan world and took it out of, took it, taken out of everything he knew out of, the, out of Jerusalem. And uh, boy, the world did everything they could to indoctrinate him with its philosophies and change his life. Yet Daniel remained faithful to the Lord. And uh, I would tell you this, every young person, every young man, every one of us as Christians ought to study this book. And I want to look here at Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Familiar story, but it says in verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give an account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Boy, that ought to be said of all of us. Amen. An excellent spirit. Verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Boy, another statement. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have a consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went out into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for the scripture that we hold in our hand. And or this account of what you did through the life of Daniel. And Lord, we can study this whole book out. And Lord, we do see Daniel on its pages, but more than we see Daniel, we see God. We see you at work in the life of Daniel and how you held him and protected him and cared for him in the midst of a pagan and ungodly world. Lord, I pray that you'd use us this morning and use me as I preach your word, that I would say what you'd have me to say in the manner it should be said. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as I preach the word of God, that you inspired, that you would convict our hearts, teach us from the scripture, and draw our attention to the things that need to be a draw attention to. And Lord, give us a practical application today. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know the story. And uh, I'm glad the story doesn't end right here, aren't you? And uh, those, those wily fellows, those manipulative fellows, they decided to get rid of Daniel. And Daniel, an excellent spirit was found in Daniel. That's a tremendous testimony, isn't it? And uh, the world looked at him and said, how do we get this guy to fall? And the only thing they had against him was his faith in the Lord. Talk about a statement. Wouldn't that be nice to be said of each of us in this world? The only thing the world can say about us is that we love the Lord, that we're devoted to Him and we follow Him. That was Daniel's testimony. An excellent spirit was found in him. And as they tried to find their way to overthrow Daniel, they 
came up with their evil plan and had the king sign a decree that played to his vanity. Uh, here it is, king. Let any, everybody play and pray and worship you for 30 days. And if they don't, let's throw them in the lion's den. Of course, the king signed that one, unfortunately. Daniel didn't cave, did he? He went out and he prayed and three times a day, three times a day. You read that passage of scripture and there's conviction there. And I wonder how many of us would be here today if the decree was that if you go to worship God as you have a four time, you're going to go to the lion's den. How many of us would be here today if that was the circumstance? If you worship God as you've always worshiped and you worship anybody other than God or than this king, you will go to the lion's den. Daniel stood out. He didn't hide, he didn't close the window, didn't go to his back closet and pray there. And uh, he went right back out to the window and began to pray. Of course, you know exactly what happens. Those manipulative fellows, they had stationed someone on a stakeout to wait. (laughs) He's going to pray. We know he's going to pray. That's who he is. Isn't that something? Even the world knew what Daniel was going to do. No question in their mind. We know where Daniel's going. It'll be threat of life, but it will not change what he does. And so they waited. They found him praying. And they reported back to the king. And of course, at that moment, the king was grieved and probably recognized what those fellows were trying to do. Their jealousy of Daniel had made them write this law. And so he had Daniel thrown in the den of lions. And he said, surely your God will deliver thee. And surely God did deliver him. Amen. And he was delivered. But what catches me in this, this prayer that he prays in verse 10 again, if you go back and look at 10, there's a phrase that catches my attention. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. It doesn't stop there, does it? It says, and gave thanks before his God as he did what? A four times. Well, I think we find in this verse the key to Daniel's excellent spirit. It wasn't just his wisdom, though that stood out. It wasn't his ability to tell dreams through God's direction. That stood out. It wasn't just his administrative skills that stood out. I think all of those stood out because Daniel had the tendency to pray and give thanks. As he did aforetime, it wasn't something he just started. It was something he had been doing. Not just prayer, and prayer is needed, but he, but he gave thanks. He gave thanks. I, what, so, what stands out about this matter of giving thanks above it all is, is the circumstance that he was under. Giving thanks is not an uncommon thing, or at least we would hope that our, our thanksgiving is not uncommon. But we tend to express thanks when, when things go our way in a unique, unique manner, don't we? We tend to give thanks when maybe someone does something or we recognize a blessing in our life, but... But this was far from a moment of blessing for Daniel. Matter of fact, I would say that that Daniel did experience the blessings of God in his life, but in many ways they were not the ways that we would look towards the blessings of God. He faced a lot of trials in his life. And what stood out about him, I think in every scenario, scenario, as he did four times, he prayed and he gave thanks. He gave thanks. Let's go back a little bit at what some of those aforetime circumstances were. If you go back to Daniel chapter 1, we'll see a, a time of loss in Daniel's life. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. 
And he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. And he spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and in knowledge and in understanding science and, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse six. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, thanking God through times of loss. Daniel was a man who knew loss. The people of Israel, or Judah, the, the, the kingdom of Judah, was facing this. Jerusalem had been taken, and it was because of the wickedness of the people, and the, they had turned from the Lord. Jeremiah the prophet had been sent. Isaiah the prophet had been sent. Many of the other prophets that we would call the minor prophets throughout Scripture were sent, and the message had been delivered. They had ignored the message, and God sent them into captivity, and for 70 years, and Daniel would speak of these 70 years of captivity later in the book of Daniel, but they were facing captivity because of the wickedness of the land. And yet we see here, here's a man that as far as we know, a young man, probably 18 years of age or under, who I would assume didn't suddenly live godly as he went into Babylon, but that had already been developed in his life. It had been taught to him and instructed to him, and it was deep-seated in his heart and in his life. Now, everything was gone. We don't know the circumstances. We get a little glimmer of that in our, if you've been watching the news at all lately, we've seen a little glimpse of Old Testament war. In our modern warfare, you know, usually, especially in America, they have the technology and the ability that they often target just military installations and things of that nature. Always civilian casualties, but throughout history that hasn't been the case. Certainly we've seen that, whether it was in Israel recently, back on October 7th, or in Gaza, the the horrors of wars. Little Old Testament war. That was what took place. Men, women, children. Killed. Irrespective of age and gender. Whether you had a sword in hand or whether you didn't. It happened. Marching upon Jerusalem. Daniel was set aside because he stood out. Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, they stood out. They were skillful, they were wise, they were fair, they stood out. But I wonder about those maybe in their family who were not so. Ever wonder what happened to Daniel's parents? His siblings? His friends? I wonder if he saw any of them killed in front of his face. As the Babylonians swept through Jerusalem, taking it because of the wickedness of the people. Or the separation for sure is just a young man as he was separated from family, from friends, and everything he knew. To have been taught the things of God that he obviously grew up under, to being taken in Babylon and there begin to taught, be taught the things of Babylon. Loss. It would say there in Daniel chapter 6 that he prayed and gave thanks as he had aforetime. The habit of his life. The habit of his life. Prayer and thanks. Thanksgiving is not just reserved for good times, friend. 
He could thank God even through times of loss and, if you will, chastisement. The people of Israel were being chastened for their turning from God and sent into 70 years of captivity and uh, because of their sin and their turning from the Lord. And Judah faced this. And here, Daniel, who, who must have stood out, surely if he stood out for his holy living in Babylon, he must have stood out for his holy living in Jerusalem. And here he was, maybe the man who was living right in the midst of a country that was living horribly away from God, and yet he was feeling the impact of the sin of others. Boy, there's a lesson to be learned. Your sin doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect us. Yet he gave thanks in times of loss. The Lord would say in 1 Thessalonians, you know the verse well, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Revelations 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. He gave thanks. I think the key of His thanks was His faith. Remember those, those, those wicked, wily, manipulative men? The only thing they could find against Daniel was his devotion to his God. His faith. Somehow his faith endured loss. It endured the loss. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to depend upon him through prayer. I'm going to call upon him and give thanks in spite of the loss that I'm facing in my life. He trusted the Lord. He trusted him. Well, that's a hard thing to do. Probably if we were going around the room, everybody here has experienced some type of loss. Maybe some greater than others. I don't think any of us have been in Daniel's shoes, though. Hmm. I doubt many of us have seen probably the sword put to our loved ones. Or ripped from our home and our nation. From everything that we knew. And taken some foreign country to be indoctrinated in its ways. Loss. Yet he gave thanks. It's opposite sometimes of what we see about the majority of the people of Israel, right? They begin to run low on water, and they murmured. And begin to run dry on food, and they murmured. And not, not so with Daniel. Not so with Daniel. And we see that in the even as he... Even as he praised God through loss, we see God working in his life, don't we? His devotion to the Lord. His devotion to the Lord. We see him give thanks through temptation. Look at verses 7 of chapter 1. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and of Mishal of uh, Meshach, and of Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not, what? Defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with, the, nor, uh, with the, the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God, notice this, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the princes of the eunuchs. More than you see Daniel in the book of Daniel, you see God in the book of Daniel. You see God at work in Daniel's life. 
But look at what Daniel did. He, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He, he knew of the holiness of God. And I, I think this, we should give praise through temptation. Psalms 30 verses 3 through 5 says this, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Of his holiness. Psalms 97, 9 through 12. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. I tell you, Christian, we can't blame our environment for unholiness in our life. You can't. Daniel stood out. Everything was lost, and he still lived holy. You ever think there was the temptation in Daniel's life for a moment? It's all gone. I've been pulled out of the country of my birth. Here I am. Why not eat the king's meat? Why not? Mom and dad certainly weren't around. The priests were not there. No preachers around. His parents weren't around. But God was still around. And he knew it. And he began to give thanks. He lived holy. I will not defile myself with the king's meat. I tell you something, Christian. Remember and give thanks for the holiness of God. The holiness of God. I don't get to sit around and say, well, look, it's just so bad out there in this world. And friend, if Daniel could make it, you can make it. And Daniel didn't do it on his own. God did it in his life. Holiness. Holiness. You know, we think much of the love of God and the love of God surely stands out. We're here today because of the love of God, are we not? For God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. God loved everybody and died for everybody. It's a whosoever will gospel. The love of Christ brought him to this earth to die on the cross. The holiness of God made the cross necessary. The holiness of God. Sin wasn't whitewashed. It was paid for. Sin wasn't covered up. It was exposed and paid for at Calvary. The horror and the ugliness of our sin was put on display through nails through his hands, nails through his feet, crown of thorns upon his head, his blood shed, his beard plucked, his body torn. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. God's holiness made the cross necessary. God's love made the cross necessary. God has not changed in his nature. His love has never changed, and neither has his holiness. Neither has his holiness. And here Daniel, he said, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. I wonder if he remembered the psalm. I'm going to praise him 
for his holiness. I will not defile myself with this king's meat. He knew who he belonged to, a holy God. He knew the expectation of a holy God, holy children. And he knew there was a holy God who delivered his people. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted above all gods. Ye, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is shown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. I think there was thanks through loss, thanks through temptation. There was thanks through injustice. Go back to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and uh, notice here it says in verses 4 through 5, it, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and these princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. They're in justice. Here Daniel's about to face the lion's den because of injustice. Right? This wasn't a fair thing. Now, I'll tell you, be, be thankful that God is not fair. <laughs> that he's loving and merciful and gracious. Because if God was fair, you and I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Would have been gone the moment sin entered into this world. Isn't it amazing? We always want to be treated fair. Be, be thankful to God that he hasn't treated you fairly. <laughs> be thankful. Daniel faced injustice. They, the only thing they could find against him is they couldn't find anything wrong in him. Right? This man's a man of character. He hasn't used his position for his own means. Can't use... His character against him, there's an excellent spirit in him. Uh, we, we can't bring his language against him. We can't bring his conduct against him. We can't be, bring what he does in his administration against him. We, we have nothing to bring against him outside of this fact that he is devoted to his God. There's the standout of his character. What a testimony it would be that in the world, the only thing they could find against us, those that we know that are lost, is our devotion to our God. The nature of blamelessness. The blamelessness that God would seek in his pastors, but not alone in the pastors in the New Testament, the blamelessness that God would look up for among his people would be that what the world could bring against us was the fact that we were devoted to our God. That's all they had. And they used it. They knew where he would be. Praying. Giving thanks. Let's use it. But notice when they used it, we don't see Daniel murmuring, do we? Oh, this injustice. Injustice is natural to life. Always in the world we see it. You experience it in your workplace. You see it in the world. Unfortunately, sometimes, and God forbid it should happen, we even experience it among the people of God because the people of God are still people, right? It's unfortunate, but injustice. And he faced it. And yet, where was he? Giving thanks. 
giving thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving. Lifting his voice up to the Lord. He experienced the, the consequence through loss of a, of a sinful nation. He had it faced up against temptation and giving thanks. Here he was facing the injustice of those around him. And yet we still find him giving thanks. In prayer. Prayer is the result of faith, isn't it? It was prayer and thanksgiving directed upward to his God. He was praying towards Jerusalem. In Daniel chapter 9 and later on we'll see uh, Daniel was praying. I, I think maybe even praying. Lord, 70 years you said of captivity. He knew it was drawing nigh. Praying for his nation. Praying for his personal state. And giving thanks for what God was doing in his life. In spite of injustice. Friend, if you're looking only to be treated justly to receive thanksgiving, you're going to be waiting a very long time. You're waiting on heaven, friend. <laughs> Injustice. And yet, he gave thanks. Daniel knew that the Lord had been better to him than he deserved. Daniel knew that in spite of everything around him, God was better to him than he deserved. And I would remind you, Christian, God has been better to us than we ever deserved. We've ever deserved. Friend, if we were to look too long in the mirror and we would be discouraged at the thing condition of our heart, or at least we should, but yet God loved us anyway. He sent his son to die for us and to rise again three days later, not because he was dying for good people. He was dying for rotten people. We were sinners. That was the whole necessity of his death. We were sinners. And he loved us and died for us and he rose again. God didn't save you because you were good. He saved you because you were bad. And he saved us and made us his child. And, and let me tell you something. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, bring out brought disappointment, sit salvation through your behavior. And we're saved. We have less of an excuse now than we did before salvation. That Holy Spirit of God lives in your heart. Your sins have been paid for. Sin has lost its hold. And we still go back to it. And God still loves us. He still loves us. That's not justice, is it? Hey, he gave thanks in the face of injustice. I'm murmuring, not complaining. He gave his thanks towards God and his trust towards God. He gave his thanks and through loss. He gave thanks through temptation. He gave thanks through injustice. He gave thanks through uncertainty. Verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or any man for 30 days save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. He faced some uncertainty. Now there was, I almost titled the message, the, uh, the thanks of a condemned man, but we know that not to be the case, don't we? The world condemned him, Satan condemned him, but God was going to deliver him, amen? I'm thankful that the old devil can throw his accusations, but Jesus, God sees the blood of his son on our life, the righteousness of God. The devil's got plenty of information and accusations he could make against us. The problem with the devil's argument is that it leaves Jesus out. And if you know Christ, we have the forgiveness of, his, of sin upon us. But here we see him facing uncertainty. At this point, Daniel did not know what would happen. Well, he knew some. He knew the lion's den was certain. 
I've, I've wondered when I read this passage of Scripture, if when Daniel knelt to pray and looked out the window towards Jerusalem, if he could see the guy on stakeout down there. Here, here Daniel comes, and I'm going to go and do what I've always done. These fellows are doing their little manipulative means again. I'm sure it wasn't the first time Daniel faced it. They want to get rid of me. They don't want a Daniel here. They made their work to work against me, but I'm going to go pray. And as he came to kneel, as he looked out the window, if he could see the guy on stakeout. But it wasn't going to change what Daniel did. He knelt and he prayed and he gave thanks. One of the glee that must have washed over the face of the one, aha, aha. As Daniel knelt, he knew the lion's den was certain. He didn't know deliverance was certain. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It would say this in Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Nebuchadnezzar had built his idol and told everybody at the sound of the music, bow the knee to my idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. And the rule was, the decree was, if you don't bow, you burn the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we've got news for you, Nebuchadnezzar. We know that our God can deliver us. But if not, we would rather burn for Jesus than bow to you. There's a good lesson for every Christian. It's better to burn for Jesus than to bow to the world. And they made a determination in their life. I would face, I'd rather face the consequences of serving my God and suffer the affliction with the people of God than I would bow to this world. And Daniel made a similar decree. I would rather exercise my devotion to the Lord than to give any to any other man. It was uncertain. The lion's den was certain. But would God shut the mouth of the lion? Daniel didn't know. He didn't know whether God was going to deliver him or not. Not yet. It wasn't until later. But in spite of the uncertainty, he gave thanks. Lord, I don't know if I'm going to die or not, but thank you for who you are. Lord, I need your aid, but if you don't deliver, thank you for who you are. Lord, I, I know that I've faced loss in my life, but I am thankful that I have you. Lord, I know the temptation's out there, and I sure wish it wasn't, but thank you that I have you. Lord, I know the injustice that I've faced in my life, but thank you that I have you. Lord, I know the uncertainty that lies ahead of me, and I don't know how it works out in the end. But thank you that I have you. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, it's, it's appreciated when given outside of these circumstances, but how much greater it is in the middle of these kind of circumstances. A sacrifice of Thanksgiving. I think it's when, when Thanksgiving becomes a, a sweet sacrifice in the eyes of the Lord. Loss, but he's still giving thanks. Temptation, but he's still giving thanks. 
injustice. But he's still giving thanks. Uncertainty. But he is still giving thanks. It leaves us without excuse, doesn't it? Our, your circumstances, I, I don't know what they are individually. Some I may, some no. But I, I know this, that probably none of them compare to Daniel's. But our God is the same as Daniel's. And as sure as God was bigger than the loss that he would face as pulled out of Jerusalem, as sure as his God was bigger than the temptation that laid in front of him, and as sure as his God was bigger than the injustice that he had faced, and as sure as his God was bigger than the uncertainty that he faced in his life, he has not changed in his makeup, friend. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, give thanks. Give thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving. In prayer and thanksgiving, friend, face the loss. In prayer and thanksgiving, face the temptation. In prayer and thanksgiving, face the injustice. In prayer and thanksgiving, face the uncertainty. Because he is always and always will be and always has been worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. He was thankful. He was thankful. My life is so different than Daniel's. You ever read that? Some ways it's similar. Still face the same world, but nobody ripped me out of my home. Now, maybe yours has, but nobody ripped me away. Nobody tried. Well, the world's tried to indoctrinate me, but there's folks in my life that still taught me truth. Friend, if you're here today, you got folks in your life still teaching you truth. Matter of fact, if you don't get truth in your life, it's not because nobody's teaching. It's because you're walking away from it. It's readily available. Nobody ripped us away from it. No. But let me ask you this. How many of you have ever, and don't raise your hand, rather than offering up prayer and thanksgiving, offered up murmuring and complaining? Give thanks. Give thanks. He is worthy of thanksgiving in our loss. He is worthy of thanksgiving in our temptation. He is worthy of thanksgiving in the injustices of life. He is worthy of thanksgiving in the uncertainty of life. He is always worthy of thanksgiving. And I will tell you this. When you give thanks in prayer to the Lord, you will find out something about him. He is always faithful. He is always faithful. We serve a faithful God. So whatever circumstance you face today, give thanks. Prayer and thanksgiving, and keep going for the Lord. It's, rather, it's better to burn for Jesus than to bow to the world. It's, rather, it's better to suffer loss than cave to the world. It's better to endure temptation than to give into it. It's better to endure the uncertainty for your Savior than grow bitter. And it's better to trust your Lord through injustice. Rather than to be that bitter person, give thanks to your God. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I, I thank you so much for your son who died on the cross and rose again that we might be saved. That, that we could start with the thanksgiving of saying, thank you, Lord, for the fact that I'm saved, that I know the Lord, that I have a relationship with him. That we could give thanksgiving through loss because we know no matter of ever loss we face in this world, what you have in store for us ahead is so much better. We can give thanks through temptation because we know that you have the answer. And we can give thanks through injustice because we know we have a God who fights on our behalf. 
that we can give, uh, give thanks through uncertainty because we know that we have a God who is always faithful. Lord, I pray that we would trust you. I pray that we'd lift our voices up in thanksgiving and keep serving our Savior. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this where you're at in your seat today. How many of you could say, Preacher, I, I can begin with thanksgiving this week with salvation. I, I can give thanks to the fact that I know the Lord and heaven is my home because there was a time in your life that you could say, Preacher, I can point back to that day and I, and I know that I'm saved because I trusted in Him and my faith rests firmly in the Lord and I can give thanks for my salvation because I have trusted in the Lord. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand? You say, Preacher, I know that heaven is my home and I can give thanks for that. Thank you. you may put your hand down. Is there anybody here to say, Preacher, I can't do that? I'm uncertain as to where I'd spend eternity or whether I truly know the Lord or not. Maybe you know about him, but you don't know him. You say, Preacher, I want to be able to give thanks for my salvation. I want to put my trust in the list this morning. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand and say, Preacher, I want to know the Lord as my Savior. I want to know him. I mean, I thank you so much for raising your hand. Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? I, maybe it was a certain circumstance that God brought your, to your mind and the Lord said, I, I haven't heard a thank you yet. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Maybe it's a matter of loss or temptation or uncertainty or uncertainty or injustice. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning. And maybe it's just your devotion to the Lord that it could be said of us that the only matter that I can find fault in him is his devotion to his God. If you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning, would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as the pianist begins to play? A time of invitation is given. And as God has spoken to your heart, there's a time of prayer. And I would encourage you this. Don't, don't let God's words pass without speaking in return. A, a heart of surrender, a moment of thanksgiving. And whether here at the altar or there in your seat, I would challenge you with this. Give thanks to your God this morning. Give thanks to your God this morning. Take time to thank Him for your salvation, for the things He's done in your life. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning.